0: Knock, knock. Oh, Hi, listeners. I've interrupted you. Someone's at the door. Who's there?
1: Yeah. Howard. Howard who? Howard I know. Welcome to the Tradies in Business Podcast with your hosts Warwick Didwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Was and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff ups from guests both inside and outside your trade helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business.
2: Oh, oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can tell you who is at the door and it's our guest today. We're just going to get straight into this. I'm going to move on so I don't incriminate myself further. Or well, Coxie dies from laughter at her own joke. <clears throat> Steve Rooney, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you, hey, mate. This has been a long time coming and listeners, I'm sorry, there's dreadful lag with between our internet today. So there might be a few um, bumping into one another, but I feel like, runes. you've been on the list for a long time to talk to.
3: Cool. I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know lots of our clients are going to be pretty excited to be hearing from you today. Is it intimidating um, sitting on the other side of the microphones?
3: Not really, because I'm just pretending it's a normal Zoom meeting.
1: <laughs> like any coaching session or any other time we have a chat. Yeah, it's
3: no different.
0: Virtual <laughs> boxing match.
3: Yeah.
0: No one listens anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the lag's going to be awesome, mm-hmm. probably because I'm all the way down here in Tasmania. Steve's in country, Victoria, and Coxie's up in banana bending country. So the the internet waves have got to travel like extra far today.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're coping.
0: Steve, you are one of our longest standing, I won't say serving because it sounds like punishment, one (laughs) of our longest standing tradiepreneur clients. And um, you've got an interesting story, although you probably don't think so. Uh, You have a landscaping business and you do live in country Victoria. Have you always lived regional Australia?
3: Um, Yes, I was, Wow. No, I was born in Essendon in Melbourne um, and mum and dad moved us and my sister and I up here early 1983 and I've been
0: here since. Wow, okay. So do you get to call yourself a local yet?
3: Yes, I've seen the creek flood seven times in the last three months so that equates
0: to being (laughs) a local.
3: Normally it's seven times in a lifetime but yeah, a lifetime was last year. The it probably feels
0: like it for you a bit too, mate.
3: Almost, yes.
2: <laughs>
3: I'm oh, sure is-
0: we'll unpack that a little bit more. Runes, which is our affectionate nickname for you here. Yes. uh, now listeners, Steve is in. Oh, should we say where you are in case you get like fans coming and knocking on your door or something?
3: Oh, the more the merrier. i don't always wanted- if
0: We normally yes. give away our guests' place of residence. We won't give them your specific address so they can come and look at your sexy new house.
3: No, can't do that.
0: But Steve's in Bendigo. So um I always find that an interesting place to have a landscaping business because my recollection of Bendigo is that it's hard and dry and fairly uninspiring. Sorry to anybody who lives in Bendigo.
3: Um yes, very hard. The we don't use post hof shovels here. We have to go first. Usually with heavy machinery, dynamite, something like that, whatever it takes to plant a tree.
0: Yeah, and that's just to put tube stocks in.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 just to put tube stocks in. Um, but, yeah, usually quite dry except for the last, oh, I won't say 12 months, but it's starting to head towards that last sort of 12 months has been incredibly wet. Mm. Anyone on the central coast is like, yeah, not really, but for Bendigo it's been really, really wet.
0: Yeah, yeah, comparatively speaking. And- Now, Coxie's looking at me because, uh, and for those of you who watch these podcasts on YouTube, which I think is two people Mm. currently. um, Our family
1: members. For
0: for those who don't know, uh, we put just about all of our episodes onto our YouTube channel now. So if you're a bit of a YouTuber and it's easier to find and listen there, you can go and uh, watch us talk to each other on YouTube, which must be absolutely freaking riveting. riveting. I know. I mean, come on. And and we've got three beautiful people on the show today, so you should go and check us out. But I'm pretty sure Coxie <laughs> was looking at me just before, like, not sure where you're going with this. Was
1: no, this is a very different <laughs> intro. But yep, let's do this nice casual thing. I like it.
0: Well, I'm trying not to just hook straight in and and you know start throwing kidney punches at Steve and or taking the piss. Uh, so maybe I should stop pretending and just be real.
1: I think I think we should uh, get back to regular oh. programming.
3: I like coxie, cutsick.
1: sick. Okay, Steve. Can you tell us a little bit about you and your business, Steve?
3: Uh, yep. Yeah. So in 2012, wife and I just had our first child, Yeah, you know, let's say oh, September 2011 we did. Um, mm-hmm. Come into 2012 and a guy that I had working with me at my first employer um, gave me a call and he was sort of, part-time between starting a bit of a, a landscape hustle on the side because he'd finished his landscaping slash bricklaying tenure, um, mm-hmm. moved on to other things and then was sort of getting back into it. And we had always talked previously about starting our own business and, you know, the drought had broken by this stage. So it was kind of like, wow, now's the time. We don't just have to put down pebbles on somebody's old lawn area anymore. Um, so I gave notice to the employer that I had at the time ended up being about 20 weeks or so of notice before we actually kicked on with Living Edge. Um so two weeks into the financial year, we we're off and running and we made no money and we had unreal fun and we listened to music and we made gardens and it was it was actually quite good. Like it was really good fun. Um we we didn't exactly know what we were doing aside from actually the landscaping part of it, the rest Mm -hmm. of it was fairly blasé and as long as we had the music going, we didn't really care. (laughs) Um, And the sun was shining because, you know, at the time, as I said, Bendigo's pretty dry, so it doesn't rain. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it made a great time to to work. We sort of stumbled across a couple of jobs and then that kind of rolled into pretty regular work, Mm -hmm. um, which got more and more exciting. But due to the fact that we weren't really bringing any money in, He didn't really grab onto the business owner mindset, I suppose. Um, He was the only breadwinner in his family, um, Mm. which made it really difficult when there was just nothing to drag out for either of us, um, Mm. Mm. which put the pressure on and ended up putting the brakes on him um, being part of the business, which then progressed to him finishing up well, actually him deciding to finish up and then three weeks later deciding, no, no, I haven't had enough yet, um, put in another nine months before he eventually put the pin on uh, on the business from there and I got a new business partner who was a, not a landscaper. He was a, a carpenter, um, commercial at that, which we're not going to talk dirty about anybody who works in commercial anything at all.
1: <laughs> not today.
3: Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, but, you know long story short on that one I'm sure we might unpack that shortly but the work ethic didn't match up with the mm. work ethic on my side of it um mm. and that finished up feeling. it took us five years for it to finish mm. up but that finished up really quickly once it started to go sour it was I reckon maybe only two months between me having a good hard word and then a few other hard words throughout that next two months and it was all over
1: mm. it's about we started working with you just before that ended oh. mm like maybe six months before it ended, because I remember having some of those conversations around, well, what could it possibly look like one way or another, Um, whether it be that you keep moving on together. And there's certainly ways to work through that if everyone's willing, or what could it look like if you separated and had the business for yourself? I guess that's probably the first thing I would absolutely love to delve into is making that break and the circumstances for why the break needs to make us aside, because it can happen anywhere, anytime it can happen with a marriage breakdown or it can happen with people moving or different priorities, or like you say, the the mismatch of some of your personal and work ethics and um, navigating what comes next, I think is a really valuable lesson for most of our listeners. I'd love to talk about Steve with you, what that looked like for you. That So that after that initial conversation, your business partner had made a decision about what they were going to do. What next? How do you begin to break it apart?
3: Um. What next? I was quite excited when it first happened. <laughs> <That's> fantastic. <laughs> um, fantastic. From, from there, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, it was a matter of, well, my mindset became, I now get to make the decisions. Um, I'd always spent, I'd spent the previous seven, yeah, pretty much seven years, uh, eight years, um, bouncing an idea off somebody else and, um, so being able to then decide that, the, you know, for example, the truck and the bobcat were two things that I didn't want. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, now they're two things that I want. Uh, <laughs> at the time, there were two things that I didn't want. There was a little bit of a, you know, there might have been a, a weight discrepancy in between what could be carried and what was carried. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to get rid of them. So mm-hmm. my first, I suppose my first part of being a soul company owner was that I got to make the decisions myself, yeah. which, yeah, still wrestling with now. Um, but, yeah, that was that was one of the key things that I got out of that initial breakup, um, mm-hmm. which, yeah, probably set us on the course that we've been on the last three years.
1: Mm. In terms of the legalities and um, <clears throat> company ownership and the structure and all, what, what that looked like, Steve, was that hard to navigate or was it something that you were just able to hand back to the accountant and perhaps a solicitor and make the changes that way
3: um essentially it was handed back to the accountant uh to go from there um as you guys know i'm probably a little bit too nice for my own good um, <laughs> therefore, <laughs> therefore the the breakup probably costs alessa and i more than what it would have or should have what it was worth what i paid etc etc mm. um yeah there were a few tools that you yeah, know the other guys got to keep and Maybe I probably should have pushed a little bit harder and said, "Hey, we're paying this amount; you're not keeping anything." Um, mm. And the hard and fast of all of that is, if we hadn't sold our house just prior to it, it probably would have ceased the company. Mm.
1: Mm. Mm. Interesting. So it can be challenging, listeners, and essential because it has it still grew created the change and the growth that you were looking for, Steve, because you were able to make those decisions. And get the right people in place to help you with that um and i think it's important not to sugarcoat the fact that it was challenging for you to move Mm. through that process and i also really want to focus on the nice guy thing because (laughs) it's something we see a lot in trade business owners you're not alone as we tell you this all the time and i think most listeners would be sitting there nodding their heads and remembering a time when they would given too much of themselves to avoid a conflict or an Mm. argument uh and I, i i honestly think none of us um, don't do this at one time or another. I think it's something that we all tend to do when we want to avoid that conflict and hindsight's a marvelous thing, but can you remember what you were thinking at the time when the demands were being made? Was there a threat or were you thinking I'm being a nice guy or was, was, what was going on in your head when you were giving into many demands?
3: Um, what was going on in my head? Pretty much, pretty much. I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It, like I knew, I knew Living Edge was something that I'd always said was my baby anyway. Uh, the previous two business partners were, they weren't convenient, but they were part of the package. Could I do it by myself? Yeah, it was mine. It was my idea. Um, I probably we were mates. Um, I'm still mates with the first business partner not so much the second um we were mates um I didn't want to necessarily lose that Mm -hmm. but I also could see that there was going to be a bit of a divide that wasn't necessarily caused by him and I Mm -hmm. Uh, might have been other parties in there that might have had perhaps a bit more to do with that Mm -hmm. um so I guess yeah in that nice guy kind of idea i wanted to make sure it was a little bit smooth and as smooth as i could make it and as smooth as i could make it was what i thought at the time was pay up the demand um right or wrong um mm. didn't solve any problem mm.
1: uh, do you remember so- second guessing any of it as you did it or it was just
3: oh, absolutely. Yeah, did. yeah yeah
1: okay um, and how quickly did you realize that it had such a financial impact on what perhaps without the house sale would have been your future how that would have changed that
3: um, I guess, I guess knowing that if we hadn't had sold the house, we wouldn't have had the money to do it was right.
2: yep. the,
3: the idea that, uh, yeah, this is financially a bit too hard or harder than what it should have been.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Uh, so I guess the impact was felt pretty straight, pretty much straight away, probably even before I'd actually made the transaction really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: So I, I can recall it being certainly a, a, quite a tough part of the journey. And I also recall your Bounce back. Um, you know, once we navigated through some of that tough stuff, the bounce back to excitement, well, it's mine now. I can make these decisions. I can send the the company in the direction that I'd like to with creativity and flair that I wasn't able to have before. And I also remember the shift of weight. Um, and I'm, Warwick and I quite privy to some of the situation around that time and what happened for you there. Uh, so I'm trying not to delve too much into what I remember. But the the shift in perspective for you I think was one of the greatest benefits, even though there was a financial impulse to the change of business structure, um, the shift in perspective was enormous for you. And then the follow-on, it, it was almost like a tumbleweed gathering speed and momentum really, really quickly afterwards uh, because the it was like a cloud had been lifted and you were able to see what it was that you were after and you could chase it from there.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, you yeah, know, probably not to brag about you guys too much, <laughs> um, but to to go back a little bit before the the split and all that kind of thing. Part of the, um, I, well, yeah, I suppose it was part of the start of the not getting along too much was I was looking for help because I knew doing business wasn't well, wasn't what come naturally to me. I could mm. lay pavers around anything, um, but doing the business stuff wasn't natural to me and like he was a little bit resistant like he wouldn't even listen to the podcast let's be fair. I'm yeah. like not that hard you just <laughs> put your phones in stick it in the on the uh, Apple carplay or whatever it might be and off you go um didn't take any time out of your day if you're driving somewhere listen nah didn't want to do it so um certainly once that break was made and as you said I got to make the decisions myself it was like okay cool now I because I'd already found you two, and I'd be like I actually know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know where I need to go to get to know what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, I suppose that, as you said, that cloud of dust was lifted reasonably quickly um, mm. because I knew that, you know, okay, you're kind of still doing business by myself while it's a sounding board, but there was good instruction there.
1: Mm. You're one of our, um, perhaps not rarer, but we have a much, you're in the minority of clients where you were doing business, uh, with your wife's support and not with her joining you in the business as much mm-hmm. um, whereas many of our clients have a husband and wife duo team running the business together do you find you know every relationship and marriage is different i i i no longer work with my husband i help him out a little bit but for the most part i stay out of it because we work better like that we actually work far better in our own separate entities than we do working together and we did try it um <laughs> can you imagine a time where perhaps your wife will come and join you within the company and you'll work together? Or is that something that might not be on the cards for you guys?
3: Um, It it was never necessarily on the cards. Um, In saying that after conference last year, she was much more open to it than previously. Mm. Um, I guess there's a little bit of what do I do? I'm a teacher. I don't know how to run a business kind of thing that goes with that. Mm. But if she doesn't want to, then I'm not going to make her either. Yeah, Um, of course. Yeah, she might be good at teaching. She might be really good at telling me what to do. I might <laughs> cruise on and listen to music.
0: <laughs> are you a nice guy when it comes to uh, discussions at home, mate?
3: Yeah, our discussions are pretty good. Yes, I'm always nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's something, and I I don't want to press on it with you, Steve. And I do because press it's on. such a <laughs> it is such a prevalent. Um paradigm out there with tradies, trade business owners, and especially with the dudes. It fascinates me, um, and I can put my hand up and say it's been a thing for me over the years as well. Uh, and the way it's played out for me is I tend to be nice in inverted commas. Um, the problem is that it ends up sort of bottling up and then internalising the stress, and then I either feel the effects of that personally through health or headspace or whatever, or part of my old patterning, which fortunately is different these days, um, was that I would just explode at stuff. And it was from being nice to all those other people who I probably shouldn't have been nice to. Um, And then I'd explode at people who probably didn't deserve that in the end. Um, And I, I wonder... With you, Steve, and the work that you've been doing on yourself, because you know it's nice that you give us accolades here as as coaches here at Tradies in Business, but you've done a hell of a lot of work on yourself. You know, you've done lots of self reflection, and you know, you, you've I think you've turned up to every single session bar like three over the last however many years we've been working together. Um, so you you've incredibly committed to your self work, um, but I wonder where that nice guy thing comes from for you you know do you you recognize the time where that started because a lot of guys i think struggle to figure out well i don't even know where it bloody comes from so how can i change it
3: where it started i i i don't think i've got a necessarily point in time Uh, i know we've spoken about the the chopping board incident um from my 21st birthday that's the uh that's the notable Time of my life where I'm like, okay, right. I So clearly, I've been identified as somebody who is somewhat uh, indestructible to something that's stabbing and cutting or, or whatever. But mm. also, as you've mentioned, that no, you're know, still scrappy chopping board and they get they cut pretty deep sometimes, mm. um, which essentially has been what the next 21 years has been like. Um, mm. But more so in that last probably, I suppose, last three to four years, three guys with you. Uh, three years with you guys and you know a year or so leading up to that um Mm. knowing that knowing that i needed help with things that i didn't necessarily know i needed help with um Mm. and then those things have been identified um and then we're at the point now where i'm trying to understand why i'm so nice but also like yeah as we stand here i've got two columns in my head and i'm like oh, this is what the old Steve would do and this is what the new Steve is supposed to do, but I haven't got a foot in either column yet. I'm sort of standing in the middle of them, going, okay, that's what I should be doing, that's what I shouldn't have been doing, that's what I'm still doing, but then sometimes I'm doing these ones. So Mm. there's still a bit to go on that um, working on myself, um, but the understanding of what perhaps what was going on or what reasons are behind it, Mm. I guess, for the most part, aside from that last sort of three years, I've been trying to work out how I can best be that indestructible chopping board. <laughs> Steve,
1: for the benefit of our listeners, sorry, Warwick, uh, yeah. can you explain to us how the nice guy has been showing up in the business? Like yeah. what sort of things has that resulted in?
3: Um, giving away a lot of things for free, whether mm. it's materials, um, probably, probably information, uh, my own knowledge as well um that'd be the that'd be the most measurable nice guy part would be the freebies. Um probably and I've never been a yeller, never will be a yeller. never gonna chastise staff because they've I don't know had 23 and a half minutes for a 20 minute smoker or anything like that. Um but I also don't pull it up. I don't um I don't keep them to the schedule. I, you know the nice guy probably doesn't put enough pressure on, on the work site to make sure that it's tracking as long as what it should be um which again would be a measurable thing because that's how giving away time Mm.
1: thank you for being so open like Mm. sometimes it's challenging to do but you're one of those rare people that's always open and honest
0: hey tradies in business was here sorry to interrupt your listening pleasure i'm joined by coxie of course (laughs) hello you may not know this tradie or tradie wife or whoever you are listening to this program but we're business coaches
2: <laughs> oh my gosh that feels weird to say
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we do actually work with people just like you to solve a bunch of problems and we have this fantastic program called the tradiepreneur program And that's how we do it. And we do it with a wonderful community of trade business owners who are all trying to fix or improve or change things to progress. Things like getting behind on quoting, Coxie.
1: Feeling overwhelmed, behind on your invoicing, feeling really stressed or frustrated about the money stuff. Sometimes you can pay the bills. Sometimes you can't. What about staff? Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, staff. Trying to get them to do what you want them to do. If you can even find them in the first place. Uh, there's so many struggles.
0: And we've seen clients tackle these things in their trade businesses in a quite a short space of time, to be honest,
2: mm-hmm.
0: during the program and recruit staff at a time where everybody was saying you can't get good staff, mm-hmm. improve their quality from their team, collect their debts much more quickly. We How have sessions.
1: we are not worried about money, we've got enough money in the bank to
3: pay everybody's leave, there's work booked in for the new year and for the first time in a long time we'll be having three weeks off and not worrying about the business. That's probably the biggest win of all. Using the cash flow forecast I've been able to look into the future and see where I'm going to be situated financially and it's actually started to have a huge bearing on whether or not I make purchases.
1: By far one of the best things about working with Nick and Woz are the other businesses that are working alongside them. It is amazing how empowering it is to be working alongside like-minded people who have similar goals, similar troubles. We can all relate to each other and everybody helps everybody out by figuring out problems with you that they may have faced previously. Everybody has solutions and constructive feedback and it's an incredibly friendly, warm, welcoming environment, not threatening at all.
3: From every job, I know that I will get a sustainable wage that's industry leading. I can have at least 10 to 20% profit and I can pay taxes, super, all of that and I do not have to question whether or not I can because of the way that it's been built and that is thanks to traders in business and what they've taught me and what I've learned.
0: So there you go, there's some real people, we did not pay them to say those things. (laughs) And I think that sounds a lot better than Coxie and I reading them out. We really would love for you to check out more about how you could take your trade business to where you would like it to be surely you have a vision of what things could be like or what you wish they were like on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. um, whether that is reducing stress or actually making more money maybe it's spending more time with the family taking more holidays having the choice
3: mm. that
0: you really wanted when you started your business instead of this beast that seems to be there for many of you listening to this program so if You want to find out more about how we do this through the Tradiepreneur program. Coxie's going to tell you all about it. (laughs)
1: For free.
0: That's how abundant we are. So head over to the website, uh, check it out, book a chat with us, and we'd love to find out if you'd be a great fit for the Tradepreneur community and start hanging out with some of those people that you just heard from.
1: Um, so for those listeners that haven't really connected the dots yet, that all shows up as a lack of profit in the business. That's what we're losing money by giving away time and materials, not charging for variations, not you know, driving the boys to hit productivity targets, et cetera. Unfortunately, that creates a mismatch in what you should be making and what you end up making. So if there's a few of you out there and you're wondering when you look in the bank why there isn't the money that you feel there should be at the end of the week, perhaps it's time to figure out whether you need to be a nice guy. And I'm not saying, I don't think you need to be a horrible person to be a good business owner. I think you just need to be fair and being fair includes being fair to yourself. And unfortunately we see really frequently with tradies that they tend to put themselves last in order to prevent confrontation or to prevent, you know, some of those challenging or difficult conversations that we need to have as business owners, Um, they'll put themselves last. But that also means putting your family last. And that's something that Steve's been working on quite substantially over the last 12 months. Is really making that conscious decision to put his family first every time he has the opportunity to make a choice because it all comes back to your choice. Mm -hmm. And at that point of choice, Am I going to avoid a confrontation or a difficult conversation and upset my family or am I going to put my family first and push through some of this hard stuff? Um, Steve's been doing an incredible job of doing some of the hard in the last 12 months or so. And we're seeing a big change now. We're seeing a large shift in your business that um, has turned around really quite quickly because of being able to say no where you might have said yes before. Can you explain what sort of differences you're seeing at the moment, Steve?
3: Um, Certainly on a profit and loss sheet or even if it's just a graph that the accounting software puts up on the screen um, <laughs> just the trajectory that that's taking you know it shows the last 12 months and the last 12 mm. months has been pretty ordinary mm. um, you know I can I can blame the rain the rain's got a lot to do with it but then being a nice guy on the back of the rain and eh, mm. it adds up um, but now it's following a completely different direction so yeah, everything from from doing the back costing variations that I was never doing before. Um, the back costing to find out what I'm giving away for free. Um, the variations to jump on the the old uh oh yeah, can you while you're here, can you just do this? And mm-hmm. yeah, of course you can. Here you go. This is how and <laughs> why. Um previously, and I'm talking, you know, probably earlier this year, even still like as you said, it's been quite quick. You just go, yeah, sure, we can do that. That's not a problem. We're here anyway. Um, Or change of material to something that's 100 times more expensive and so on. So, yeah, as you said, it adds up quite quickly Mm. both ways, losing it and and then catching it.
0: That's a good point. Mm. And I want to highlight that for our listeners is sometimes it probably feels um, like turning the Titanic around when you see those bars on your accounting software the wrong way around and you know there's more money going out than coming in or they're shrinking whatever whatever you're looking at in your business hopefully you're looking at something listeners and and we know you are Steve uh, which in itself presents a bit of a headspace challenge but it can feel like turning the Titanic but as you've just pointed out when you put some of these things in place you can turn that around quite quickly. So all of a sudden, we're seeing blue bars depending on your accounting package. Uh, And if you string a few of those together, all of a sudden you've made back the three months of losses, for example, prior to that in just three months. You know, it doesn't take three years to claw all that back. Do you find that helpful or that that undoes your head a bit sometimes?
3: Um, Not helpful um, because it's been such a lean... Four or five years, um, I'd always, I'd always just aimed for that little bit of black, and it, and it didn't bother me if it was a dollar, um, mm. as long as it was black. Um, mm. So yeah, absolutely helpful. I, aside from having a black number, the, uh, mm. uh, the, the amount of profit, whatever it might have been, was was irrelevant, because I, I, I kind of had in my head that once it was black then if it's black the next time, then it's more. Um, and then mm. it's black the next time after that, and then so on and so on. And, you know, the snowball effect, the, the tumble, mm. the gathers speed, off it goes.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's appropriate for where you are, mate.
3: I feel like
1: is from
0: it, a... tumble winds and... Or...
1: From a client base, we need to, that. sorry, really acknowledge the fact that Steve has just done his first great grey shark. <laughs>
2: yep. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Come back around. Yeah. uh now, I want to pick up on something not business-related, and yet I think it has huge um, benefit to you in your business, Steve. And we talk, we've talk we talked about this a couple times, but I, I don't feel like we've really um, grasped the power of your cycling and what that can do for your behavior as a business owner and listeners are probably going what the hell is was on about now he's talking about <laughs> bikes and business and uh and in fact i'm going to i'm going to loop something else in here if anybody's ever heard of a bloke called Lance Armstrong <laughs> whether you're into cycling sports and road cycling or not um he wrote a book a bunch of years ago uh that was titled it's not about the bike um and he probably should have put the subtitle it's about the drugs uh <laughs> But, um, but it was actually a really good book before all of the scandal and everything else and I, I think for many of you listening to this particularly for the fellas um, not to genderize this but you know stereotypes are still pretty uh, pretty solid in society and we have a lot of guys that are on the tools and a lot of ladies who are at home trying to support and, and you know <laughs> keep the fellas making money if that's uh, if that's possible in those situations but Steve, you're a gun cyclist yes. and you've improved, um, I believe, in the last few years in your cycling. You've got some amazing results. And I and I see a lot of guys who are great at these personal pursuits. They have a hobby or a passion or a sport. They put a lot of effort into it and they get these amazing results, whether it's restoring cars, racing push bikes, whatever it is. And I look at that and go, man, if you could just translate that and the discipline and the thinking that creates those results there to your business life, you'd be absolutely killing it. Am I allowed to say that still? I got banned from Facebook for saying that not that long ago. But anyway, um, do you do you make any connection between the two, Steve? In fact, can you tell our listeners a bit about your cycling journey, the evolution of your, your cycling sports?
3: Um, yeah, we can, we can go back to 2008 when I first did my ACL. Um, then in 2013, when I proper ruptured it and broke the two bones going down and et cetera, et cetera.
2: And
0: And how did you do that?
3: Uh, indoor soccer was how it was originally done. Mm -hmm. Uh, I shouldn't say, but it was at work the second time, but it wasn't, I was just walking up a step (laughs) backwards with a wheelbarrow Um, (laughs) and then um that was the the complete rupture um which essentially like in 2008 i'd stopped playing the the ball sports the basketball the indoor soccer and so on um 2013 confirmed that i will never run and change direction ever again um Mm -hmm. (laughs) and in the years since that every time we go to a caravan park and i jump on a big four jumping pillow, yep no not doing that again (laughs) Um, so cycling's it i always thought i'd wanted to run a marathon eventually but at six foot one and 90 on kilo running a marathon is not a great idea anyway. Um, <laughs> so bike riding is sort of the, the pursuit. Um, got some really good mates in bike riding that, you know, we spend as much time together as we possibly can, whether it's on a bike or in a camper trailer or whatever it might be. Um, so we've got some some good connections in there. Um, and from that racing has sort of presented itself as the leisurely pursuit. It doesn't it's not very leisurely at all. Um and and as you say, the the training for it isn't leisurely. The discipline that goes into it is not um, is not easy, especially in Central Victoria when it decides that, you know, nine degrees is the top for the day and mm. it's only daylight for about eight, nine hours. Um mm. yeah, long nights and early training and so on and so on. So yeah, maybe winter I don't ride as much as what I'd like to. Um, but I'm not a fair weather rider that doesn't show up in winter either. Um, and the the result of that is, is that I'm going better now than probably what I have previously. Um, consistency, I guess is probably one of the biggest things that's come out of that. Um, you know, COVID didn't help. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the training wasn't, wasn't there. The racing wasn't there, so there was nothing to train for. So, yeah, there's been a couple of lean years as far as, you know, kilometres per year. You only have to go on Strava to look at it and go, oh, geez, that's a, bit, that's a bit shy. Um, But it's one of those ones that if you're really enjoying it, um, it's easy to get out. Um, Easter Saturday, I was spent riding up a stupidly steep hill in Marimbula on the uh, south coast of New South Wales and blowing a gale and rain for – I don't know thirty k of the eighty five k round trip, and I didn't hate it one bit. So yeah. um, hopefully some more results come my way. It'd be nice. Um, there's a lot of handicap which might make that a little bit harder. But
0: sure. So can we talk about results for a sec, Steve? Because I think this this might be valuable for people. Um, <clears> this. <throat> so you started your cycling career about ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And what's been your best result well well, explain to our listeners who maybe aren't across the cycling sports mate what what are you most competitive in what's your competitive arena um
3: a crit the is probably where i'm more suited um can't sprint to save myself and i'm not very good at going uphill um i like both of them but you know there is a bit of dna behind how you ride a bike um Mm -hmm. i'm neither a fast twitch muscle fiber person nor am i 65 kilos on 90-odd kilos, so you're never gonna <laughs> it's never going to be good sport, mate. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, an A-grade crit for 45 minutes on a Wednesday night, at, I don't know, we've had some rippers this year. Um, 48K an hour is, you know, I might not win the thing, but that's where I'm better suited. Um, mm. It's short and, and this
0: sharp. Is, and this is in a velodrome,
3: uh, I do do track racing. haven't done that for a couple okay. of years Corona killed that. Um, uh, but now the crits are, well, we have our local crit out at the sale yards, uh, on a Wednesday night, um, Got it. massively wide road. It's quiet. There's no trucks, there's no cows, there's no sheep or anything like that. Um, yep. and because it's a, essentially a closed spot, there's no car. So the only people coming in are people that are specifically going for a bike race. So safety is a good thing there. Um, so yeah.
0: let, let's talk results, Steve. This is this is where you're supposed to brag. Oh, that's
3: the bit I've been avoiding. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) You're waffling more than me, mate. Get to the point. What's your best results?
3: Um, I've won a few crits in my time. Um, Mm -hmm. I yeah, I did get one win this year. Um, before I got pushed up to A grade, Uh, I was riding B grade at the time. Um, maybe a little bit dominant by the time I finished B grade. Um, but I did get I can't remember. It might have been three wins in a row at the end of last year, throw a road race
0: in there as well. Um, and and, then- and now I'm going I'm to jump in here, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> now you're not racing a bu- against a bunch of Tasmanian hillbillies. No. Uh, because of where you are in central Victoria, you yeah. have some some cycling uh, heavy hitters yeah. that uh, hang out around where you live, mate. So
3: yeah. here's yeah, a chance, Steve. This is the yeah. therapy session. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, well, they're not current, obviously. We're 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 much older now, but hey, there's okay. Australian road title um, holders in there. There's um, guys that have done it for a profession. Um, Bendigo Madison um, international Madison riders. Um, one of them got really close to winning one year. We we'll, we we'll rooting for him. He was he was going well. Um, a bit unfortunate in the end of it, but you know there's. Plus there's some guys getting around that are um well their them girlfriends slash wives may or may not be um, some of Australia's elite female cyclists and he's mm-hmm. not too shabby himself. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah, there's there's some pretty good quality in the in the field.
0: Mm. Great. And there's a reason I bring that up, you, you tend to understate your achievements even in your cycling.
3: Very much so. Mm.
0: <laughs> yes. And and this is another kind of trait that and i and I'm trying to do this out because uh i want those of you listening to this who can identify with this to really just just pay attention to how crafty runes is at dodging the yeah i'm I'm actually really good i've had some bloody fantastic results up against a strong field you know i've won an a grade race a whole swag of b grade races in an area that you know has some stiff competition i've trained bloody hard and i'm really proud of my results and i'm pretty sure we'll never hear those words from steve's mouth <laughs> and i know there's plenty of proud tradies out there sorry mate the internet lags killing me yeah. um there's there's plenty of proud tradies but even when when you look at you know the work that you do the landscaping projects that you do i know you've mentioned this before as well steve um or not there's an avoidance of celebrating your own success yeah. And yet, as you've just pointed out with your cycling, you've know trained super hard, you've put a lot of time into it, Um, it takes a lot of discipline, Um, and not surprisingly, you're getting the results, despite being a a monster of a man on a push bike that weighs about as much as a teacup. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, I I wonder if you ever um, think about bringing that headspace and discipline and everything from the bike into your business.
3: Yeah, but I'd I'd almost say that kind of like what you're saying that you know I'm I'm very unlikely to say how proud I am of the results. Um, I guess that's that that's the nice guy coming back into it as well. I don't don't I don't feel comfortable telling people how good I am. But I've never been never necessarily been exposed to somebody who does that well either. Um, you know, often like I listen to a few landscaping podcasts and it it's. It's quite obvious the guys that know they're really good obviously know that themselves, but also have a good um, network of, you know, perhaps other landscapers and, and stuff like that. That, you know, probably they, they've they known since trade school or something like that. They might have known for 20 or 30 years or something. You know, when I did trade school, it was me, myself, and Irene, and it was on site, and you never met anybody else that you did it with, and all that kind of thing. It was a bit disjointed. So I don't have other landscapers around that I, grew up with per se. Um, and then of course because I've come into cycling late, I haven't grown up with other cyclists um, that have been doing it since their junior years that have, you know, they might have won a few classics and and that kind of thing. And you know, there's the there's the accolades there. So me coming in late and doing landscaping essentially by myself, I find it hard to say or I suppose present the fact that I'm actually kind of good at it, at both of them, sort of. <laughs> even then like uh, sort of trying to good at it <laughs>
1: always putting yourself back Steve. yeah yeah it's uh it is a, somewhat the Australian way I think to be overly humble and you know I don't actually think that it serves as well we've been working together three years and I had no idea that you were that good knew you were good didn't know you were that good mm. well that's incredible and I see you do that time and time again so for the listeners benefit um We start our our coaching sessions with an opportunity to share some good news, good news personally, good news professionally, and Steve finds that hard at times and you're not alone. In fact, most of our male clients particularly find that really challenging, and yet you have some kick-ass wins every single time in business and personally, Um, Mm. and and it's, Mm. it's challenging for that to be the first thing that comes to your head. I, I, And we're working really hard on that headspace. You've been doing some amazing stuff to bring that to, I, I guess, an easier space. And I think it's really important to point out that even though you are as good as you are, which is flipping incredible, I'll never give you shit about wearing Lycra again. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's so far good. down the list for you. <laughs> I, it's just incredible to see that, um, you know, it's just not the focus for you. And I think that some of that is being humble and some of it is just not acknowledging the journey that you've been on and the change that you've made. Um, so we'll be your cheer squad and we'll keep bringing it up and poking you in the chest and making sure that we make sure everybody in our community base understands how good you are. So we won't be having bike races at men's retreat this year.
2: Yeah.
1: And I'll never ride my my <laughs> cruiser anywhere near you because you'll just go, <laughs> I'm not designed for a bike. Let's put it that way.
3: Well, Lisa won't come riding. She goes, you won't ride with me. <laughs>
1: yeah, you ride too fast up the road. <laughs> Everyone's stuck behind you. i to keep up with you. <laughs> Steve, um, you've got some big things coming over the next 12 months, two years. You're making some change, a lot of that starting with your headspace. Why don't you tell our listeners what sort of things or you're working on, what, what you'd like to see. Change in the business?
3: Um, Yeah, more and more off-site. That would be the easiest way to describe what I need to do Um, Mm -hmm. as far as the business is concerned. Yeah, that sort of year, two years, three years. If it takes three years to get all five days, then so be it. Um, obviously being pretty clear in understanding what offsite means doesn't mean that I'm playing golf and going bike riding either. Um, yeah. because, you know, and, and, you know, in all honesty, working with you guys has sort of opened up my eyes is let me know what business stuff needs to be done that doing it at 10 o'clock at night is foolish because you're gonna miss stuff. You know, you might have a good voting program, which I've you know jumped into now and all that kind of thing, but trying to do stuff that relates to figures when you're dog tired at two o'clock in the morning is mm-hmm. and and you've been working on site all day is stupid.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: So making sure that I've got that now at the moment two days in, in the office um and they're both pretty full days. I rarely leave the computer screen. I usually have sore eyes by the end of it. Um but then over that next sort of year or two is is adding the days and then probably spreading out the days so i'm not necessarily staring at a computer the whole time Mm. Um, maybe go see the boys at site but then of course the flip side of that is is that stuck on site will probably change a little bit as well um roles will progress um the boys will get i don't know more responsibility and there might be more staff that need to be brought into it and that kind of thing um to to cover the fact that other people on site will have more responsibility than not being able to do perhaps what they're doing right now um mm. everybody sort of needs to I suppose everybody's sort of stepping up because then there'll be another junior or something like that that'll come in underneath and they've got to get trained by someone so you can't just all have everybody on the same level big mm. whole um there's totally. more to it than that so yeah yeah there's a bit to come.
1: If it's, there's one thing that you feel continuously gets in the way of you getting the results that you're chasing, what do you think it is?
3: Uh, me being a nice guy.
1: Mm.
3: That would really be nice. a fair answer. Um, and I often, you know, and in, in our coaching sessions before, you know, what's the blockage? Me. <laughs> mm. And it's usually because, I, you know, if I'm, I don't know, you could use an excuse It could be tired. It could be stressed or it could be mm. you know, missing something somewhere and the, Instant thing to do is, oh, yeah, it'll be right. We'll just do it. It'll be fine. No worries. Um, as opposed to yeah, thinking, maybe a little bit more consciously on the impacts of of doing that. So yeah, the short answer is me being too nice. Mm.
1: I think that's incredibly beneficial for those who are listening. There's so many that we see. You know, they create their own frustrations by being too nice
2: mm.
1: because it's can it's hard to confront stuff. And I, I think it's a great um note to really round out the episode on is just how you can still be a nice guy and be in control of the direction your business is going in in a healthy and positive way one thing i did want to point out in making some of those changes that you're making with your team and taking away the nice guy you've still got all the same team right thank you or power up me. and
0: walk out. Yeah.
1: Nope. <laughs> Which is another fear we stumble across quite a bit that we'll lose customers or they won't want to work with me or my team will leave if I get a bit tighter on productivity and what they're doing with their time. And yet, time and time again, it doesn't happen.
3: Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, not to try and drag out the potty any more than it needs to. I think I've worked pretty hard on making a culture
2: mm.
3: site that the boys want to come to work to. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm. And there was a conscious, we don't have to be too nice about it. It's not an extension of my nice guy personality. It's just a you know, I, I need to make this a good place to come to work, mm. irrespective mm. of how I'm feeling. Um, that just needs to be a good spot. And mm. yeah, the boys have said so, that that this is a, a desirable place to work. Um, so it must be to some degree effective.
2: <laughs> hmm. I was looking yeah, for a job, I stay know where your I'm your achievements coming. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, True. yeah. <laughs> easy, mate, though.
0: um you I I think you would probably give the same answer to the, you know, thousand tradies in a room, one piece of advice. It's probably don't be a nice guy. But I'll let you have a chop at it instead, mate.
3: See if I can come up with something else. Um <laughs> I don't know. I could be cliche, know your numbers. Um back cost. <laughs> um and it's probably, it it's, probably like us, it's probably be fair. Um, you yeah, know, obviously what I'm sort of working through and towards. I'm not there. Um, but as you said before, you don't have to be nasty. Um, you don't have to be a,
2: yeah.
3: a big of a boss or a horrible customer service representative of your business or anything like that. But if you're fair, um, most people are expecting fair. They're not expecting nice. They're expecting mm-hmm. fair. And mm-hmm. so what fair looks like could be different for everybody. It could be. It could be, you know, here is a fair price for the, fair job that we're getting um of course from living edge you don't just get a fair job you get the best Um, (laughs) um but but you know if when when somebody wants to make a change to their design or to their you know materials or anything like that they're not they're not looking for someone nice to go. Yeah, we'll do that for you. That's no worries. They're looking for a fair, um, hmm. a fair and reasonable charge. They're not looking hmm. for it for free. And if they are, they're not the clients you wanted. And you need to redo your avatar. You.
0: <laughs> nice work, mate. What a way to finish it off. <laughs> oh, <that's fantastic. laughs> well, Steve, um, you're an absolute legend of a man, mate. Right? Uh, we we love working with you and. Uh, I feel privileged that you continue to trust us um, to support you through your growth and development as a business owner and as a as a man um, and and I think you know the the hard things that you have tackled and overcome um, in business in cycling in your life in general and there's some stuff we haven't talked about even on the podcast that that Nick and I are privy to um, I think all of that stuff means that you you actually end up earning the right to um, expect a little more for yourself. And and I know there's a lot of people listening to this that are probably in the same boat. They've worked damn hard. They do the right thing by people all the time. And you're. it's actually okay to enjoy the spoils. You know, you're allowed to feel good about achievement. You're allowed to actually have the benefits come to you. It's, it's not a bad thing. Um, you know, sacrificing oneself doesn't actually get you any medals. Uh, You know, the people that are standing on the top step at the cycling worlds or, you know, the Olympics or in business, um, they're celebrating their success uh, Mm -hmm. because they're allowing it to come to them. And so I think for you, mate, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing more success come to you in the next uh, year or three. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank you for for sharing with our listeners, mate. It's been great chatting with you today on the pod.
1: Thanks, Steve.